Welcome to our weekly YouTube channel discussion and podcast with me and Mick Berry. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein, clinical psychologist in private practice and author. And one of the books I wrote is called Rational Drinking. I wrote it with Will, Will Ross, and Mick and I are going to discuss REBT and rational drinking today. Um, Mick is an REBT expert and co-author with me on Stage Fright on Overcoming Performance Anxiety. REBT is the psychological and psychotherapy theory devised by Albert Ellis in 1955 that created a revolution in psychotherapy from psychoanalytic oriented psychotherapy, looking at your childhood to find out why you have problems. But with REBT, we look at your current thinking that causes your emotional and behavioral problems. It could be current thinking about your childhood, but it's still in the present. Vic, did you want to add anything in, in the introduction? Uh, just that I've been practicing REBT for about 35 years because I used to, I got into it because I used to have a big problem with depression and it helped me cure my problem with depression. <clears throat> yes, and we both had seen Albert Ellis himself for therapy. Right. Okay. Now, okay, so I wrote this book, Rational Drinking with Will Ross a great book on the subject, uh, available on Amazon. And uh, there are a few aspects to consider in terms of drinking. And I'll start and Mick will, will add to that. And the first thing to consider is that you control your drinking. Drinking is a choice. You're not powerless over your drinking, as AA might tell you. But you have you can make a decision to drink or not drink. Would you agree with that, Mick? Uh, yes, I, I would agree with that, yeah. Um, and let me throw in, I once heard Albert Ellis say, and I've put this to the test, and I've not been able to find any example to refute it, Anything you're capable of doing, you're capable of not doing. Yes, any conscious thing you're capable of doing. Yes. You're capable of not doing. And I think that holds pretty much. I haven't thought of an exception to that. Yeah. So you're capable of not drinking. You decide to pour the beer in the glass and drink it. The beer doesn't knock you down and pour it down your throat. So that's a choice. And when you drink compulsively, meaning it goes against your short and long-term goals, it means that you're thinking in terms of demands. Must, shoulds, supposed tos, have tos, demands you put on yourself, others, or situations. And with drinking, it's often a demand on situations. I must feel good right now because I prefer to I have to satisfy my urge for a drink. It's the end of the world. If I feel stressed, depressed, 
uh, or uncomfortable, and I have no choice. So you have a choice, and you can decide not to drink. Now, drinking has its advantages and disadvantages. Drinking is not all bad. So when you decide on a goal, then the advantages and disadvantages are in terms of uh, your goals. Now, let's suppose, so there are a couple of possible goals you could have. One is no drinking at all. Another is moderate drinking. And a third is uh, allowing yourself to drink as much as you want at certain times, say, at a Friday night celebration that's coming up. So the first step is to decide on your goals. And, uh, and then the next question to ask yourself is, uh, is it compulsive? Am I drinking because of a demand? or a should, or is it just uh, a reasoned choice? Now, if you've been having a drinking problem, uh, you may wonder, what's the best way to deal with it? Is it better to deal with it by not drinking at all, abstinence, or is it better to uh, allow yourself moderate drinking? Now, according to Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, there's no such thing as moderate drinking. If you, if you allow yourself to drink, you're going to start drinking compulsively. And even if you're not drinking, they'll call you a dry drunk. But that's not the case. You can learn to drink moderately if you've had a severe problem. And uh, many, many, many people have succeeded at that. Yes, Mick. Well, I was I had a question about the term dry drunk. I think what they mean is that somebody, while they're not drinking, but they still have quite a few emotional problems, such as rage or just uh, a lot of anxiety or a lot of emotional problems, even though they're not drinking. Would you say that that generally is what is meant by a dry drunk? It was my impression, I'm not an expert on Alcoholics Anonymous, it was my impression they simply mean, it's simpler than that, I think you give them too much credit, Mick. <laughs> it simply means you've had a problem before and you are an alcoholic. Uh, so they define you, your being, your personhood as an alcoholic, not a behavior, but your essence. And since you are an alcoholic, then you are, are always an alcoholic. So if you're not drinking, you're a dry drunk. Sort of, it's sort of parallel to REBT, where we say you are an imperfect human who acts imperfectly. And if you act perfectly for a minute, you're still an imperfect human. And uh, sooner or later, mainly sooner, you are going to screw up. Yes, ma'am. Well, I've heard several people refer to dry drunk as somebody who is not in the 12-step program, but they've stopped drinking, and so they are not ascribing to the 12 steps and all of the things that are done in the 12 steps. So they 
are not following the tenets of AA, so they're not really part of the program. They just simply stop drinking, but they're not as finely tuned and on the path to recovery as the people in the 12-step program. That's how I've understood it. Yeah, I wouldn't put that past them to include as many people as they they can in terms of this idea of being an alcoholic. And those who aren't alcoholics are in denial. Yeah, those who think they're not alcoholics are in denial, exactly. So you you are, can't win either way. It's a lose-lose proposition with uh, AA. Now, another thing to consider with drinking is to avoid a secondary disturbance. So let's suppose you have a problem with drinking, and uh, then you, uh, because of your demands, I must satisfy my urge for a drink, and then you uh, realize you have this problem, and then you tell yourself, I should not have this problem with alcohol. I'm a hopeless case. I'm no good. So you're disturbed about being disturbed. You have a must about a must. The the first must is I must drink. And the second must is I must not drink because because it would be preferable not to drink. So that's another thing to uh, realize and show yourself there's no reason why just because drinking is undesirable in your case, there's no reason. You must stop. Since you're an imperfect human who acts imperfectly, you uh, easily fall into these uh, problems. Yamik? Would you say that's what happens, at least in my mind, I think that's often what happens when somebody goes off on a binge. They have this idea, I must not drink. And then if they drink, they break into an absolute panic. And when they're in the absolute panic, then they want to drink more to calm themselves down from the absolute panic, and thus the binge ensues. Yes, yeah, that is often a factor. And another factor is uh, I must not drink, and since I'm drinking, I'm a hopeless case. I can't control myself, and that also leads, secondary there, also uh, leads to a spiraling down. Right. yeah. Now, I, I have a question here. It was REBT and rational drinking, and here we are talking about Alcoholics Anonymous a lot rather than REBT. So I think we could steer back to REBT and rational drinking. Yes. Did you want to steer back? Yes. Oh, you want me to say something? If you'd like to. Well, I just know that the REBT is all based on finding the demand and getting rid of the demand. I do have a question for you personally, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. I know. I you, ask him. Yeah, go on. And I know that you've treated many people and you've advocated that they stop drinking entirely. I believe that's the case, right? Uh, not necessarily. It's, uh, it's individual. It depends on. Uh, as I said, their goals, the advantages and disadvantages but, but, um, are drinking for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there have been several individuals where you have advocated or set that up as a course of action to just stop drinking altogether. Actually, I start with the individual's goals. So if they want to stop drinking, then I advocate not drinking. If they want to drink moderately, then I advocate moderate drinking. 
But now some people ask, um, can I drink moderately? Because AA says that you can't. So they can run an experiment. They can try for moderate drinking. And if it fails, then that's a sign. Maybe moderate drinking is not going to work for them, especially if they've tried 99 times and it's failed each time. Then that's probably a good sign that abstinence is best for them. Now, another way they can approach this is by saying, I'll try for abstinence for six months. And once I'm abstinent for six months, then I'll try moderate drinking. Another aspect to this is how, how major would the consequences be if you start drinking again? If the consequences would be major, maybe it's better just to quit now for good. For example, if you have a DUI uh, or DWI and you risk losing your license the next time you stop for drinking, then it might be too risky to try anything but abstinence. And, so that's another factor, yeah? And I can also see a health factor if you've drank a lot and damaged your body with alcohol and alcohol consumption is damaging to your health, it's probably a good idea to give it up altogether. Yeah, very good, very good, very good point. That uh, That's another thing to keep in, in, uh, in mind, the health factors and also the relationship factors. If your partner has told you, if you drink again, I'm leaving, because your drinking has been a problem in the relationship, then that's another reason to seriously consider absence. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I think we've covered things pretty well. Uh, oh yeah, another thing you can do if you want to decide whether or not to drink is list the advantages of drinking to you and list the disadvantages of drinking for you and then weight put a weight on a scale of zero to ten next to each advantage and each disadvantage because some are more significant than others and then add it up and that could be another way to consider whether it's a good idea to stop it. Mick? I also um I'm interested in your take on this if one of the things REBT does advocate is doing the ABC exercise. And I think it's a good idea to do the ABC exercise when you're not under the influence of alcohol. Because yeah. you don't really think that clearly under the influence of alcohol. So I think it's a good idea to do the ABC exercise stone cold sober. Yes, yes. And also along those lines, I think it's a good idea to say you're going to a party tonight it's better to decide beforehand, stone cold sober, whether or not you're going to allow yourself to drink in, at the party and whether the disadvantages of drinking at the party outweigh the advantages. Or rather than deciding at the party after two drinks <laughs> to weigh the advantages and disadvantages. So that's another uh, perspective on that. Anything else we haven't covered here? Uh, another one in terms of a partner, uh, I've had clients who have said, well, I'm going to stop drinking when I want to stop drinking, not when my partner tells me to stop drinking. So 
But please keep in mind in that situation that you may want to stop drinking because your partner uh, uh, tells you to stop drinking and it's very important to him or her that you stop drinking. So it's still basically your decision and what your partner wants is an influence. And because you allow yourself to be influenced by your partner uh, doesn't mean that your partner is making the decision for you. Anything you do comes from a decision to do it and you're the one who makes that decision. Yami? And I think one of the reasons people can resist if their partner is uh, saying they'd like them to stop drinking is often the partner it can impose a demand. You have to stop drinking. Nobody likes to have a demand imposed on them, whether it be them, they themselves doing it or their partner that's doing it. So it's an entirely different experience for the partner to say, I think you'd do better if you stop drinking or saying you have to stop drinking. Uh, so again, it comes to a demand and it doesn't even have to be something as severe as drinking. It could be something as mild as, you know, you chew gum a lot. I think you'd do better to chew, chew, to chew sugarless gum so that it won't hurt your teeth, you know? And uh, if uh, and I've known people in relationships that would get upset at something along those as mild as along those lines. Don't tell me what to do. Well, it's just a suggestion. No, you were demanding that I need to chew sugarless gum. So then the problem I think comes from perceiving a demand from their partner or the partner actually making a demand rather than a suggestion. And it can be sticky. People often interpret suggestions as demands. Yeah, yeah, and there are a couple of problems there, so I'm glad you raised that. One is rebellion. Your partner tells you to stop drinking, and then you say, she shouldn't tell me what to do, or he shouldn't tell me what to do. I'll show them I'll drink no matter what they say. So uh, keep an eye out for rebelling against um, advice from your partner because the bottom line is, is drinking a good idea for you or not? Also, I sometimes get calls from parents whose teenagers are drinking, and they want to know how the parent can stop their teenager from drinking. And the main thing that they can do, since they're not rationally motive behavior therapists, the main thing they can do is discuss with their our teenager, the advantages and disadvantages as the teenager sees it, not as the parent sees it, and uh, see collaboratively if there are more advantages or disadvantages to drinking. Okay, that's a lot. Any final words, Mick? No, I think that's it. Okay, very good, very good. I think this was a very comprehensive uh, discussion of drinking. You may want to listen to it a few times and uh, comment below if you have thoughts about it. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, suggest subjects that you'd like us to discuss in the future. Volunteer to be a guest. We've had many guests. And thank you to Chris Rossini, who holds uh, everything together in the background as our tech technical engineer and subscribe to the three minute therapy podcast 
to stay on the rational side of life.